Welcome to the Clinical Flow Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Kopian. If you're a physiotherapist or other movement professional who feels like you're stuck in a rut, then my podcast is for you. This podcast is focused on helping you unleash your best clinical self and move from a place of frustration to flow in your clinical practice. Each episode, I'll share strategies and approaches along with my latest thinking on how to improve your clinical performance and keep loving what you do. This is episode number 66, and today is a special episode. In this episode, I'm joined by Faust Ruggiero, who is a renowned psychologist and author of Fix Your Anxiety Handbook. Now, I know what you're thinking. Why, as a physiotherapist, do I need to know about anxiety? As I share in my show, a recent survey was done in Canada, and 33% of Canadians experience anxiety. We touch on this topic as well as we dive into how we as professionals can increase our happiness in our careers and workplace to ultimately help ourselves reduce anxiety levels and in turn provide better patient outcomes. I want to let you know that I also have a newsletter where I write about topics relating to improving clinical performance. Head over to 360clinician.com to sign up today. All right, so on the show today, I have Foss Ruggiero. Welcome, Faust. Uh, great hey, to have uh, you on the podcast. It's a pleasure to be here, Andrew. Thanks for asking me to come on board. Yeah. So maybe if we, before we dive into this topic of anxiety and overwhelm that can happen for us as clinicians, I think it's a really an, uh, an exciting and, and interesting topic. Um, maybe just share with, uh, with the audience a little bit about your background um, before we dive in. I've been a clinical psychologist uh, for the last 40 years, 33 of them in uh, private practice. Um, everything from individual, family, uh, substance abuse, women's issues, you name it. And I've done a lot of training for professionals, helping them to be a, become a better, more efficient, uh, happier professionals. Mm-hmm. That's interesting that you say happy because oftentimes that's one of the things we lose in uh, the longer we practice is actually being happy in, in the work that we do, right? So that's, uh, I think that's a, a really good point. Yeah, you know, I, I think that if you don't like what you're doing, particularly if you're working with people, you know, their lives depend on it. If, if you don't like it, they're going to pick up that vibe right away. You know, mm-hmm. It doesn't take long. And, and, then, and then they ask themselves if they did something wrong or, or is there, you know, what's going on here? Sometimes they don't come back, you know. And uh, I, just, I always tell people, ask yourself first, is this the profession you want to be in? And if you do, then there are a number of things you can do to be happy in it. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's the profession. Sometimes it's it's your own personal life or the way you you know you allow stress and things like that to build. You know, uh, you, you know, it's that old thing. You know, we have to take care of ourselves before we take care of other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you've written a book called Fix Yourself Handbook, and uh, we were just chatting before we hit record, and you've got a new book coming out that specifically speaks to anxiety. So maybe maybe tell me a little bit about. Uh, what that book's about and, and what sort of prompted you to, to write this follow-up? You know, Andrew, I wrote the first book deciding that I wanted to do something different. The t- self-help books tend to do uh, one topic at a time or two, something like that. Uh, my first book, The Fix Yourself Handbook, is 36 chapters, 36 different problems. Uh, I keep them small and I give the advice at the end of the chapter. Uh, in terms of what people should do. When um, we were going to go forward, we thought we thought about a sequel to that book. Then I decided, well, you know what? I'm going to turn this into a series and you know, we'll, we'll make that the flagship book because it is so diverse and then start picking out uh, chapters or you know, problems we see that are more important. So we now talk, talk about the fix your, uh, uh, 
for self-empowerment series. So it's going to be about eight, nine, maybe 10 books. Uh, anxiety came next. I, and I looked at what happened after the pandemic and all those, you know, all the things going into the way the world's changed. Anxiety has just, you know, risen tremendously. So mm-hmm. now it was time to say, all right, let's start looking at that. And, uh, you know, we have people that are doing what I do, what you do for a living, and they're doing it online and they're, and they're staying home and they're saying, this is great. It's so much easier. And I say, yes, and you're isolated and you're not seeing people and you're not going to the places you used to go. <laughs> it's yeah. not good. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I came across a stat of, uh, Canadians, uh, in terms of anxiety levels, and it was between 18 and uh, 39 years old. They, they're 33% of them uh, reported having dealing with anxiety. Like that's uh, that's a high number. That's huge compared yeah. to what it was. You go back uh, before the pandemic, and it was in the teens, 17, 18%. We've almost doubled it, and and again, that's reported. You know, uh, 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 use it's not estimated. It's actually what's reported. Uh, what what's not reported with anxiety is make it much much higher than that. Mm-hmm. And so, do you think that the isolation is actually contributing to some of that increase, or or what what's your uh, hypothesis as to why we're seeing such an increase? Yeah, it is uh, because what happens is you start to, to develop a pattern where you like to stay home. Uh, you're not challenging yourself. So mm-hmm. that's going to bring on anxiety. You're not in social situations as much. Uh, so now we have social anxiety developing. When these things start happening, now we stay home. And home looks like it's great and it's a comfort zone and everything's there. But those walls start getting you know, closer and closer yeah. and, and, and your world becomes very small. You're not challenged. And then when things do challenge just a bit, you overreact as it takes you right out of that. Um, of that comfort zone. And you haven't been practicing all the things you do that normally, uh, you know, are there to deal with anxiety or, or, or risks or change all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's, let's sort of talk a little bit more about this anxiety as it relates to, you know, uh, as a professionals, uh, you know, I, I talked to, you know, a variety of physiotherapists who are, uh, you know, share their, their struggle with anxiety. Uh, they often can feel overwhelmed especially when you're dealing with, um, you know, a heavy caseload, you're dealing with complex problems with people who are in pain. Uh, you're trying to sort out what, uh, what's going on for people. Plus you have this expectation of, you know, I've got to get results because they're paying me to, to, to get, you know, help them get better. And, um, and so, you know, I, I really, I'm hoping that, to, you know, today our conversation can really help that, that clinician who finds themselves really struggling with how to manage, um, one's emotional state. Um, and I think anxiety can often really uh, be at the forefront uh, of that experience uh, for them. And it can, and it also has a tendency to transition itself into depressive states. You know, now you're, you, you, you're so worried and you're doing so many things and trying to be perfect and balance this and balance that. And then you just crash. And then you get to the point where I don't want to do anything at all. And you know, you have to, you know, the, the first key it, 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 with all of us, we're human beings. First, we have personal lives. We have physical bodies that sometimes are doing okay. And sometimes not doing so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have to take care of ourselves physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, uh, you know, we, we need to take make sure those parameters, those life parameters are addressed. That's the first thing I tell everyone. You know, when, when I do uh, workshops with uh, uh, healthcare people and, and other professionals, they all come and they talk about the office and, and the profession and, you know, the 
managing the books and all the and and those are legitimate pressures. But what I'll say to this, how come some people don't get burdened by that? They know they're there, but they don't get overwhelmed. And you're doing that. It's, you know, what's your stress level when you walk in the door in the morning, when you walk into your office, what's your stress level like? You know, that's mm-hmm. the first check you have to make. If you're, if you're getting up and saying, oh man, it's Monday, I got to go in the office again. Boy, that's a, that's a powerful statement. It yeah. really is versus it's Monday. And, you know, I know who I'm seeing. I'm really looking forward to seeing that person. And I like what I do. You know, um, I, I, I was, I've been doing this over 40 years. I was thought about retiring last year, but someone said, why don't you? I said, beside the outcry of people who said, what, you're going to go where, you know, I love doing it. I still have, you know, after and I've been doing this since 1979 and, you know, I still look forward to sitting with people um, even though, you know, I did take a semi-retirement. I moved things into my house and I'm seeing people here. And I saw mm-hmm. people throughout the pandemic, yeah. uh, you, you know, so I love what I do. And, you know, that's what I, I tell them. That the ingredients are a keep your personal life uh, in balance. And if not get help for that B, if you're not in the profession you want to be in, it's either a different profession or make changes. Maybe you don't want to work for this, this company, or maybe you want to go private or whatever it is that you want to do, make some adjustments that, that mm-hmm. are going to make that better for you because, uh, you know, these are moments of your life going by. And boy, you know, why spend them like that? And then you bring up an interesting point about, you know, make sure that you're in a place that, you know, is suitable for you, like whether that's a the workplace setting or whether that's, you know, professionally. And I know for myself and in, in my own sort of career, it's it's often been hard to know you know, is this just a, a me issue or is this a, is this a workplace or is this a profession? You know, like when do I have to make a change and when is it that I have to actually stick something out? Right. Do you know what I mean? Like there's that often yeah, that, yeah. that uh, hard balance to find, you know, what, you know, do I need to just persevere here? Uh, do I, is this workplace really unhealthy for me? So is there anything that you, you can suggest as, you know, sort of some litmus test to say, okay, you know what, this is, this is where, you know, it makes sense to, to persevere. This makes sense to actually, you got you to gotta switch it up, right? Oh, I just that, lost everyone. Your, oh, there we go. Everyone come, come, uh, you know, comes up with that point. Is it me? Is it the place? I said, well, if, if you've switched three or four times and you're still not happy, then I'm probably thinking there's something with you. If you're willing to stay where you are, uh, but you're saying, gee, you know, I'm working for maybe this doctor or this this uh, corporate leader, whatever it may be, and I don't like this, then, you, then that, that's a different set of circumstances. For all of us in healthcare, we all know uh, in, in, in here in the States, and I'm sure in Canada, it has changed so dramatically. Yeah. I mean, I can go back five years ago and in my, the area where I live in, which is about 90 minutes um, west of New York, 90 minutes east of Philly. So I'm right in, I'm outside of metropolitan, but it's all right there. In yeah. this area alone, there were about five, six hospitals um, six, seven years ago. Now there are two. Uh, not that oh, they've wow. closed up, though the other two, these two are monsters now that are fighting each other. And uh, it, it's a now a huge corporate structure. Doctors' offices are being swallowed up. They're working for a few hospitals now. Uh, they are told how long they can see patients, uh, how much, how many patients they have to see in a day, how mm-hmm. much revenue has to come in. 
mm-hmm. um, uh, and, and, they, and they must now balance medicine with a corporate model, uh, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it's, it's burning people out. You know, I think I always say, thank God for me. I went, uh, you know, independent and stayed that way. Yeah. I didn't have to answer to anyone. But, you know, uh, you go into a doctor today, many times they're on the computer while you're talking because they have to put your information in the computer where we used to have that eye contact, that slow kind of bedside manner, as we call yeah. it. Well, that's kind of, you know, been, been pretty much pretty well phased out because the, uh, you know, when they're more concerned about when someone calls, your information's in the system, uh, yeah. that type of thing. And, and yeah. so, so you're going to see a lot of people are going to are going to say, this is I'm so stressed out. Well, you're not going in to a relaxed environment. So now I go back to that first ingredient. You've got to get yourself in order. Do I want to do this? Do I want to practice, whether it's physiology, whether it's uh, taking care of people's bodies, whether it's their minds, whatever. Do I want to be in this field? Because if you're just coming into it, maybe you can adjust to those things. Those of us who have been in a while say, man, this is changing. It is not what I signed up for. Yeah. I, you know, my whole thing was people and dealing with people. And, you know, hello, Mrs. So-and-so. Gee, it's good to see you again. And you, and you might do, like, as you and I, when we started this, this podcast, we talked for five minutes before we even got started with the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That's typical what a doctor would do. You get that warm-up phase and they talk exactly. and you might be there 20 minutes and that's gone because yeah. you got to be in and out in seven or eight minutes. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you have to know, do I want to do this in this environment? And am I built to be able to do that? So it sounds like you got to really, you know, do a gut check for yourself to say, okay, let's, let's have some real honesty with ourselves in terms yeah. of knowing if, if this is really the right place, you know, whether that's at a workplace level or whether that's at a, at a profession level, um, so that you're not sort of uh, deceiving yourself in a way, right? You, you know, yeah, absolutely. And it's an interesting point because, you know, I look back 20 years ago, I rarely saw, uh, medical professionals in my office people they don't we don't seek help yeah we are people that help there's that posture there's that thing i don't do that and now you know in the last seven eight years i'm doing a lot more counseling with and it's not that it's always long term but it might be two three months where people are saying hey i got to get in there and see what's going on because you know, I, I got maybe 20 or 30 years to work yet. I got a family, I've got a home, uh, all this, and this has changed so drastically and I'm working more hours and, uh, you know, I'm not happy. And when I get home, my spouse or significant other says, you know, I, this is, I can see you're not happy and you're down and you're mm-hmm. burned out. And, you know, so what they're doing is coming in and, uh, and, and we're spending time, you know, getting to those core issues they themselves have. Yeah, you know, and um, you know, people go into our profession, like it or not, we're we're caregivers. We like to help other people. Yeah, and we know when we're not. Yes, and it doesn't feel good. No, it doesn't, and it's true. It's it's hard to ask for help when it's yourself that needs <laughs> when yes. you're on the receiving end, right? Because yeah, it's it, there's definitely that. To, yeah, you know, you can you can feel comfortable in the giving part of it, but then it's like, well, hang on a second. How what am I doing? to, to stay healthy? How, how can I actually stay in a place that can give me some longevity in the, in the work I'm going to do? 
You know, I, I always use the analogy with people. I say, well, I assume you have a car. And they say, yes. And I say, well, it, it, you need that to get you from point A to B. If you don't give it any attention, either you're going to lose it or it's going to go into the shop for that two or $3,000 bill. Yeah. And while it's in there for the week or two or three, whatever it takes to get your parts now, you don't have that. Your body, your mind, your emotions are the same way. You're going, you're going in there and using them every day. Mm-hmm. You think a tune-up is a good idea. And that doesn't mean you have to go see a psychologist. You may form a group of 10 or 15 uh, men and women who yeah. sit down and just say, hey, let's meet once a month, once every other week, and let's just throw some stuff out there and talk. You need to get that energy out of yourself because otherwise it spins inside you. And, and it just, it does, it, it just gets very negative after a while. Yeah. And then, and then you couple it, couple it with what you said earlier about this increasing isolation mm-hmm. that we experience, right? So not only are we having to give and we don't have a, a good, uh, you know, healthy outlet uh, for that, um, but then you, you increase the isolation that we have, you know, socially, uh, you know, outside of work. And so that, yeah, that's uh, that definitely sounds like a, <laughs> an unhealthy recipe for, yeah. <laughs> For, for professional longevity. Yeah, yeah, and again, it's not something that has to challenge uh, your feelings about yourself. You don't have to be calling the, uh, the psychologist, the psychiatrist and saying, I got to get in there, I'm falling apart. You may be, you know, you may be in that hospital system or wherever, you may, and you may know uh, other professionals and you might say, hey, look, you know, why don't we sit down, you know, and dis- we can discuss what's changing in the field. We can discuss our own personal stuff. Put together a support group. I've I've seen a number of uh, groups, you know, get together and do those things. And it's you know it, it's it, it's instead of uh, you know, gee I leave work and I go out for a few cocktails. Uh, you know I I go to my group and we once a, a, every other week for an hour, we sit down in a room and we just throw information back and forth. Several things happen. Number one, you're with other professionals, so now you realize what you're experiencing is not you're not alone. It's not specific to you. You have a network of people that will support you and they're in your field understanding what you do. So they also understand you. You know, you can talk to your spouse at home or whoever, but if they're not in it with you every day, they don't work it. They don't understand it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You get to then step out of the self, you know, I must care for others and I got some self-care going on in my life. So not only does that work well for me, it really, the reciprocity between me and the clients or patients I'm dealing with actually goes up because I'm taking care of that part of me. I'm healthier. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it, it, it's just, and, and again, you're not alone. It's, there's so many good things to do it. So you don't have to check into the place, you know, where, you know, the, you know, the people say, oh, he's going for counseling over there. Cause you know, we don't do those things. We're above that sort of stuff. <laughs> So, but, but, but when, but when uh, the high and mighty get together as a group, that's accepted, you know, (laughs) and now you can cry and do whatever you want behind those closed doors. (laughs) That's right. right. Now it's approved. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So, you know, um, I was reading in your book uh, that's coming out uh, about how you believe anxiety is actually a physical problem. Um, and I, I thought that was really interesting. And I was hoping that you could unpack that a little bit because, you know, to me, when I think of anxiety, I think of it as, you know, you know, it's an emotional issue. It's, it's my thinking that's going too fast. It's, you know, all those things. And so I, I'd really love for you to share what your, 
what you were meaning behind that. Hey, I just wanted to have a quick pause to introduce you to today's podcast sponsor, Soul. They're off-the-shelf moldable insoles, and it's the brand of insoles that I recommend to my patients and have for years. The reason I recommend them is that they're heat moldable by the patient, they've got a great arch support, and they come with options to help with different foot issues. It's really easy for customers to order, and when you refer them to Soul, they get free shipping and 10% off. Make sure to check them out at yoursoul.com forward slash health dash professionals. That's Y-O-U-R-S-O-L-E dot com forward slash health dash professionals. All right, back to the show. That's the question I get a lot. I go, oh, no, no, it's, uh, it's in my head. I start worrying. I said, let me ask you a question. Here's how I tell everyone. Let me ask this question. If I, while you're dealing with all those things you think in your head, if I could snap my fingers and take your, your body level, all that acceleration you feel right down, how would you feel? Could you sort that stuff out a little better? And mm. then it clicks. That's why you go to the doctor and they'll say, here, here's your whatever medication, Ativan, Xanax, whatever it may be. Or people are taking CBD oils and THC and whatever. They, they, because what are they doing? They're not, that's, not, that's not going in your head and sorting all your problems out. That's taking your body down. Gotcha. So it's not that that's the only thing anxiety is. It just has to be started. The treatment modality has to start there. We get people to learn how to calm themselves down. Then, you know, because because it starts in the body, it hits the emotions and now you're reacting and then your head doesn't know what to do because your emotions have now taken all the energy that your brain is supposed to have for your intellect. I mean, and that's the, the thing that people have to understand is that, you know, we think emotions are in the heart and all that. It, emotions and intellect or reasoning abilities are always fighting for space in the brain, so to speak. Yeah. If your emotions are impacted, they're using up the energy the brain needs to sort things out, which is why you feel the conflict. And what it's all based upon is going too fast. Mm. Anxiety accelerates the body. That's what it does. Yeah. It goes and everything amps up. And anytime we're amped up, emotions get amped up. You know, you, you, uh, I don't, people have five cup of, cu- cu- uh, cups of coffee in the morning. Their emotions are going up. I guarantee it. All you have to do is say the wrong thing. Exactly. (laughs) So, and they'll tell you no, but yes, you know, so my point is you start dealing with it first, learn how to, you know, decelerate, breathe a little differently. Don't put the accelerants in that are going to continue to accelerate your body. And then you're going to try to Mm -hmm. uh, calm down, Um, be able, you know, Put things that work for you besides breathing. Maybe it's meditation or prayer or yoga or whatever it does to calm your body down. Get those things in your world. Exercise. Get your body healthy. Um, Get enough sleep. Uh, You know, a a proper diet. All those things. When I when I deal with people and they and they have anxiety, almost everything I just mentioned isn't working right. Even though and we think that those, it's working right, right? Because we yeah, think, oh, we yeah, do. I'm eating well, I'm doing this. Are you, you eating know? well? Well, yeah, okay. And then I go through the diet and, you know, 80% of it's carbs. You know? And <laughs> so I, I, I said, are you getting up? When you get up in the morning, are you refreshed? Yeah, after my cup of coffee or two. I said, yeah, okay. How many of those do you have? Well, you know, and it's yeah. that. And maybe it's a couple of those energy drinks and the sugar and the carbs that are going in. 
So you're not getting a good diet, you're eating late at night. Uh, maybe you now have some uh, a GERD that's going on, so yeah. you're not sleeping well. Now you've got medications to medicate this and that, yeah. and they're interfering with some sleep. You get up in the morning, you feel lousy, and you start the cycle all over. You, that, you know, the, the, the coffee pot is on automatic, so when you get up, you don't even have to wait five minutes. That's right. It's just how it IV. <laughs> you know? So I, I, I teach people, let's get to the body first. Let's get your body healthy first. Mm. Okay. Gotcha. Now, if there are, you know, extenuating circumstances, you know, someone's being abused or, or you know, those, you know, they're going to lose the house. Yeah. Okay. By all means, those are things that we need to deal with right away. Yeah. But for most people let's get the body in order mm -hmm. and then we're going to deal with all those things. And, and when I have people in the office and I've been using this program for about 20 years, no, I've never had a person not get better. Never. Yeah. But you know, wow. it's a program that you're going to work. Yeah. It's not the, uh, you know, um, the, the quick fix or fix me in 10 quick steps kind of thing. And I, exactly. it's not, it's a yeah. lifetime. It's what the, our bodies are there for our lives and we have to be able to treat them well for that time. So if, if I think about, you know, sort of uh, work life and, and how, uh, you know, sometimes you're in a, in a treatment room with a patient and uh, your anxiety starts to ramp up, uh, you know, you're, you're feeling like you're running behind, you're not figuring out what's going on exactly. Uh, maybe you're, you know, maybe your perfectionist tendency is kicking in, like, I got to figure this out, you know, in those moments, like, do you like, what would you say to that uh, professional who's like, I just feel my anxiety skyrocketing and I don't know what to do in that moment, right? Like, you know, what, what can you do in that moment to slow yourself down physically? Um, yeah, if you have the option, the first thing to do is say, I'll be right back. Mm. Step out of the door and catch your breath. You know, if, if you're nearer an exit where you can get some fresh air, that's wonderful. And it might be 60 seconds. Yeah, people are people. Look, people are, are are trained to wait in our waiting rooms for a half hour. I mean, yeah. so when you they're already back there, they're in the examining or treatment room. They're already there. Far as they're concerned, they cross the first big hurdle. Yeah, and you just say, "I'm going to step out for one minute. Just got to get something," mm -hmm. and you go out and remove yourself from from that environment so you can catch your breath. You know, uh, stretch is uh, you know stretch your body. Get, get some of that. What you, what'll happen is those things right away typically take you down 10 or 20%. Yeah. Enough to get through that patient. Then you've got to figure out, okay, how am I, you know, what do I need? And then, and, and so that, that's the first step in those situations, but that should lead you to fit, to be able to say, okay, that's happened. Mm -hmm. If I'm jumping out of my skin, is it just high anxiety? Am I getting a panic attack here? What's going on with my body? You may need to start seeking that help you've been putting off. Yeah. Because if you're to the point of anxiety attacks, either at work or at home, you're in a dangerous place as far as physically and also in terms of your ability to treat people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because how are you going to be able to think clearly? Exactly. Anxiety is ramping up that high, right? And you mentioned an interesting uh, point earlier about you know, our tendency to uh, be perfect. Um, yeah. and, and I was curious to, to, cause I think that, uh, you know, as professionals, I think we could, we often can have a bit of this perfectionist tendency in ourselves. 
And so I was hoping you know, to maybe just make share that linkage in terms of, you know, with anxiety and perfectionism and, and how do we sort of combat that tendency when we feel like we need to be perfect in these, in these situations with our clients? You know, you, 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 we feed off what happens in a therapeutic environment. When we have, when we're seeing people, and especially when we begin to know we're proficient at what we do, we expect that. And then we, and, and we deliver quality. And then people say, thank you so much. You are so wonderful. And they go tell their friends and their friends call and say, can I come and see you too? And before you know it, our game has been up to the left. It's like a professional athlete who they say, you know, he's buying for the MVP and then maybe he gets it. Well, next year he comes, you know, it comes up whatever to the plate or, or the football field or, or the hockey arena or whatever it may yeah. be. And we expect, let's go, man, this guy is good. And the person buys into it. Well, what you didn't buy into is the fact that with that comes a whole lot more energy being used up and you are putting demands on yourself that not only were never there before, you don't know how to identify. Mm-hmm. It's, it's no man's land and you're there. And that's yeah. what happens with professionals. And we walk in, you know, and, then we start doing things that, that, you know, we dress a little differently because, you know, well, we, we're moving up and maybe the new car and a new house. Yeah. And yeah. now it, 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 it permeates other areas of our lives. And we're starting to buy into this notion that we're really good. So we expect that to continue. Mm-hmm. And that, that's living way, way above the, you know, the comfort line. It just is. Mm-hmm. We just need to go in there humble and relaxed every day. Enjoy what we're doing and do the best job we can that particular day. We don't want to buy into, uh, you know, that uh, stigma, that, uh, you know, kind of, kind of quasi-celebrity status that we think we're enjoying. Yeah, it's, inter- yeah, it's true because it's, you know, you'll have, you, you almost take on these expectations that the patient has or the client has, has expressed, uh, you know, and, and then it becomes really hard to live up to that. Um, and, and it's true that that situation that they may have heard of from their friend or their family member isn't necessarily going to translate into their experience because it's, they have a different body, they have a different injury or a different issue that they're dealing with. But then it's true. You do feel that increased pressure to be like, okay, I've got to, I've got to get this sorted out for them. Just like I did for that other person who, you know, in two sessions was so much better. Right? <laughs> exactly. <true. laughs> exactly. You know, you know, I, I sometimes counsel people who are as we call celebrities. And, you know, and what they'll all say is I bought into this notion that I was somebody that I wasn't, mm. you know, they, you know, the, the, the red carpet syndrome, that whole thing, you, they, you can buy into that because you have to live it and everyone wants you to be it. And then before you know it, you believe that that's who you are. And that's the level that you are supposed to perform at, which is, you know, there's no solid foundation under that. Yeah. There's no place for that to go. So we don't want to buy into those things. We want to, and, and that's another reason why they'll go in and, 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 um, and maybe not like their job so much because what they don't like, it's not the job they don't like, it's the pressure. Yeah. And, and I always tell them, stop putting pressure on yourself. Mm-hmm. Go into your uh, job every day, relaxed, uh, enjoy what you're doing. Don't try, don't buy into being someone that you're not. Yeah. And, and, and if you're doing that and you're taking care of yourself, the kind of coincide, you know, they live together pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think that it, uh, 
you, you put yourself at risk of taking shortcuts uh, to try to get that result um, that, you know, a client has put on you in essence, you know, and, and it's, it's true. We don't have to accept that. Right. I mean, it's it, just because someone has that expectation. I think it's our job to help reorient their expectation to something that's a little bit more realistic or at least temperate <laughs> somewhat. Right. Because <laughs> you, uh, you know, and, and another dynamic that happens is we monitor our patients mm-hmm. and when they come in, if they're not happy, we, we, we might even at you. Okay. It's wrong. Mm-hmm. And now we're trying to find out why we didn't make them happy in that situation yeah. because we don't want them to leave unhappy. A, that doesn't feel good. We maybe didn't treat them the way they needed to be treated. They may talk about it and say, I didn't think that he or she was that great. And yeah. we don't want any of those things. So now we're feeding off that communicative reciprocity that, that happens in, it, in those settings. Yeah. And, you know, if you start getting caught up in that, you know, then you start monitoring the computer and look where you see how your rating is. Well, did they rate me? Okay. Oh my God. I got two stars and not five. And that's right. Yeah. You know, you really start getting caught up in that when all they're looking for is that you're a good person, you're treating them nicely and that you're efficient at what you do. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. So when you find yourself getting caught up in that kind of, uh, you know, situation where you are, sort of playing into that, um, you know, uh, trying to, you know, what, what, what word did you use that reciprocity? Uh, yeah. yeah. Communicative reciprocity. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you, you know, obviously there's that slowing down physically, but like, is there to start to shift how we're thinking our beliefs around that, you know, it, it sounds like you almost sort of use a bit of a mantra for yourself to remind yourself, uh, you know, like, slow down, be humble, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, what, what else, what else, you know, can, can we be doing to help sort of reframe some of those beliefs, um, for ourselves? Yeah. You know what happens and you were alluding to it a little bit before we said you cut corners and things, but we do all that because we get, we get proficient and we start taking shortcuts and we, we, I always use the term autopilot. We come in and we just go, we can just go. Mm-hmm. The answer to your question is, slow down and get conscious, get your mind back involved. What do I need? Ask yourself the questions. What do I need to do here? How do I need to be here? You you did all that. We all did that when we initially got into the fields because we weren't quite secure. We wanted to be good. We wanted to learn more. We wanted people to like us. Now we got to a point where we kind of abandoned all that. And it's, uh, you know, on the fly and then we'll take a telephone call between this well i have a restroom thing here i'm gonna go grab something eat real fast oh hi how are you today and you know now we're in a hold because we we know we got this and then we start skipping some of the steps yes and those steps are usually the ones where we're bonding with the client or with or or we're 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 asking ourselves what do i need to do here you know before maybe we got the chart out and we looked and said okay yeah yeah got this now we didn't because mm-hmm. we think we got it or we skimmed it or the nurse or someone told us so so and so looks like everything's okay a couple changes from last time okay good and we go in and we wing it yeah so the answer is go back and get your mind that people like to use the word mindfulness conscious get your conscious brain involved and say who's here let me look at this what do i have to do mm-hmm. let's talk about where you are are there changes let's get into the process again mm-hmm. 
sort of warm yourself up into yeah. being present, right? Yeah. Like it's, yeah. uh, and if you want to get proficient at something, get, be proficient, get good at doing that for every patient that comes in, you mm. can do it. People get caught up in this new medical model and they're making me go so fast and I don't have the time. Yes, you do. But if you're using your energy to just say, ah, heck with this, I don't even care anymore. They're just, well, every, everyone suffers, including you. Yeah. Slow down just a bit. Ask yourself, what do I need to do here? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and if you do that, you'll go in, you'll get what you need. And, you know, it, it's going to be a different animal than you, you know, you signed up for. Yeah, it is. But you, it doesn't mean we can't manage the change. Yeah. Well, that's some, that's some great advice. I, uh, I, I think it's good because it's, it's sometimes we got to return to those, uh, foundational, uh, elements, right. It's sometimes look for the, the, the special sauce when in reality it's like, okay, no, let's just actually physically slow ourselves down. You know, that, uh, let's, let's get ourselves back into the present moment, whatever that looks like in that situation. Right. I think, you know, you know, some of the, the best compliments I've had over the years are when people in my profession, being a psychologist, they may see you and then maybe 10 years, they may come back for something else. And then they'll come in and I'll say, well, how is so-and-so? And I'll start asking questions. They say, you remember all this stuff? And I say, well, yeah, I mean, this is what we do here. We talk about things. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, I, and, and you remember that thing. And, and another thing is your delivery. You're just like you were 10 years ago. When I get that, then I know I'm on track. Mm. Because if they're walking out, you know, and, and, and they're, okay, well, you know, I think I, I'll call you if I need to get, I have some real concerns. I wouldn't want to see one of those. But when they come back and they're, and they're looking at me and saying, yeah, I really appreciate it. You know, and or I see them in a store somewhere and I say, how's the son? And I give the son's name and it's been six years or seven years since I've yeah. seen them. Yeah. They're looking high. Oh, you know what? And, and I mean, I, I'm, you know, 40 years, I've probably seen about 5000 people. So it's not like, a, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I just have five and, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. you, you, you want to be in this. You want to be in it. Then do, you know, get in and enjoy it. I liked what you said was this idea of bringing it back to the foundational elements, which is get yourself to slow down, um, you know, take care of yourself um, and, and really do a gut check with yourself in terms of, you know, am I, am I actually enjoying what I'm doing in my work? And I think that's the thing that I think uh, we sometimes forget to ask ourselves is, am I still enjoying what I'm doing? And I know. As yeah. you were talking, what popped into my head was, what got me to be happy with this profession? What mm -hmm. is it you know, about me and the profession that I liked? I need to go back and reestablish it. Those are the fundamentals. Let me go yeah. back and think about all those things. Because maybe, not that I lost them, I may have tabled some things. I may have made some changes. And in so doing, with, inadvertently, I just got away from the important things that helped me love what I was doing. Yeah. I need to get back to that again. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it is easy to get sidetracked by, Oh, I've got to get this special designation or, you know, am I, you know, um, and obviously, you know, making a living is important, but sometimes we can get too focused on, you know, what, what are, you know, my billables per day and, you know, and that can take our eyes off of, yeah. What am I actually doing? Am I in that zone where I am actually really thriving, enjoying my work? Um, and, and, uh, and keeping myself in a place where I can actually do that day in and day out. I think that's the, 
and that's that becomes quite elusive after a while if you're not focusing you on know that. we start this and often we're maybe we're unattached right we don't have the kids or the house and the mortgages and whatever and so we don't have all the distractors and those distractors you know that again takes up energy for us to have to keep those things mm-hmm. and uh, so you know we we are now spreading our conscious the way we deal things all over the place. Yeah, I think that we just have to again be able to separate all that stuff and come into the office, and that's who we are. Let's mm. get back to that. And for some people, that's difficult. I mean, for me, fortunately, you know, when I walked into the office, that's what I was dealing with. Yeah, yeah. And then when I left, if I had other stressors, like every and we all do at certain times in our lives, and sometimes more often, then we deal with those. We go yeah. back to them, but. Yeah. You know, if, if we're going to bring the stress into the office, then we're going to have more stress there. Then we're going to have stress everywhere and it never seems to shut off. Yeah, exactly. You have to be good at, at separating that, you know, comp- yeah. compartmentalizing those parts of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, Foss, uh, I appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing from your many years of experience and, uh, and insights uh, with, uh, with this whole topic of, I mean, not only anxiety, but I think just living well which uh, to me is, is really such an important uh, element to being a healthy, you know, engaged professional, right? So that's, uh, that's, that's been great. Well, you know, I've appreciated being here. Thanks for asking me on. Yeah. Okay, take care. Yeah, you too. Thank you for hanging out with me today and hearing about how you can improve your clinical performance, specifically around how to in- decrease your anxiety levels and increase your enjoyment with work. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify to stay up to date with our future episodes. And I'd also encourage you to sign up for my free newsletter by heading over to 360clinician.com. If you're looking to learn more about FOSS work, head over to FOSSRuggerio.com. That's F-A-U-S-T-R-U-G-G-I-E-R-O.com. And I'll include a link to his website in the show notes. There you'll find a lot of great resources as well as access to his book, The Fix Your Anxiety Handbook. Here's to less frustration, more flow, and better clinical results. Take care.